0: Welcome back to the Resilience Institute Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to go over all things running, as the title kind of gives it away. Today, we want to go over, when we're going to go over why most people get injured running, Uh, the three most common types of injuries, why and how to do strength training to complement running. We'll talk a bit about warming up and then we'll talk about how to progress and then a quick summary of how to set your week up of running and your training sessions. And the idea for this podcast came from the past six months or so, probably even a little bit more of Instagram story question time that I do. If you follow me on Instagram, you know once or twice a week, I'll try and do an Instagram Q&A where people can ask me questions about training and rehab and things like that and without a freaking doubt, I would get asked and I do get asked the best way to fix and stop shin splints every single time I do a Q&A, every single time and every single time, my answer is rest and restart at a lower level but don't do so much so quickly next time and with that, I'm going to start by leading into the top three or six if you want to be really picky and technical injuries or problems you may get whilst regularly running and why they occur. Uh, And to be clear, before we start, in this episode, we are going to discuss primarily longer distance running, not our sprint and top speed stuff, as I'll leave that for an entirely different episode. And in the longer distance running, injuries will typically occur for one of two reasons. You've done too much, too soon, after not doing much for too long, that's a freaking mouthful, or you have some kind of strength, endurance, stability or mobility issue that is being compensated for by another muscle or group of muscles to which then it finally gets overloaded and we start to experience those tight or sore muscles or worst case, tear a muscle. And this is where strength training for running will help immensely, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. So the first common injury is shin splints and this is that pain and tenderness along or even just behind the tibia which is that big lower leg bone and this is where the muscle and bone itself in the leg actually become overworked by repetitive activity and strain and the constant stress and tension pull on the bone and and the muscle pulls on the bone leading to tiny cracks or what we call splints and irritations in the bone. And shin splints often occur after sudden changes in training loads and amounts of exercise. In other words, you did too much too quick. And the simple way to address this is to first take a break from running and focus on either off-feet fitness like bikes and and rowers and ski ergs uh, and then focus on your strength stuff until it settles and then gradually reintroduce running but at a lower volume and intensity and take your time to build back up. And there are obviously other factors that may cause shin splints, such as things like footwear, lack of ankle range of motion, uh, having flat feet or rigid arches, your biomechanics and running technique, uh, running on uneven surfaces. But by far, the most common reason is you've done too much too quick. And if you notice symptoms of shin splints, like you might get like sharp or like a razor-like pinpoint pain or dull ache and throbbing, Uh, it could occur both during and after exercise, it could be aggravated by touching the sore spot, you want to cease your running pretty much ASAP and and any impact activity as soon as possible as we want to prevent this condition worsening because from shin splints, it can very quickly turn into an actual stress fracture and that will put you in a boot and out of action for a few months at the minimum. The next common injury is actually a collection of muscle strains and tightness and tears uh, where uh, where we experience this in the hamstrings, calves, groin and the lower back and this is where you most likely have a compensation to take the slack for another muscle that is underperforming and it gets overloaded and tired and cranky or the muscle itself just doesn't have the strength or endurance capacity to maintain its job and completing its job and and repetitions for the distance you are running. And you can either test those muscles themselves with things like isometric holds or endurance and strength tests, or you can get assessed by someone who is competent in that area, such as an exercise physiologist, wink-wink, or a physiotherapist. And another uh, one extra reason we can experience muscle strains or tears is running technique and biomechanics. So if we have or we do things like heel strike, excessive pronation, uh, excessive lumbar extension, overstriding, just things, a few things like that, we can place unwanted and excessive stress on the joints and muscles that over time build up and exceed tissue capacity leading to those strains and tears. So it's where we overload um, the the tissue capacity. And the third uh, common injury is tendinopathies. So basically, a tendon or tendons are connective tissues that, that join bone to muscle. So when your muscle contracts, it pulls the tendon and it pulls your bone. These can withstand a lot of force and tensile load. And the reason they can do this is that they are made up of a strong fibrous matrix of cells that don't need much much oxygen or blood flow and that don't actually contract like muscles. The problem, however, is that when we repetitively place too much load in our tendons without resting and recovering enough, they don't get a chance to repair and rebuild themselves because like anything, when you put stress on something, it it, it breaks down a little bit, so it needs time to repair and rebuild. So what happens is we get a failed healing response of the tendon and you get haphazard uh, healing of the collagen fibers. So instead of realigning straight and strong, they kind of mix up and they get all tangled. And and the same thing happens with the proteins that make up the tendon. So this leads to an increase in what we call a non-collagenous uh, matrix, which is the opposite of the good strong stuff and that leads to weakness in the tendon and increased risk of tearing or rupturing because it's weak when you go to jump on it or take off or sprint or, or even just normally run. All the body weight and force that goes through the tendon is too much because it's weaker and it can tear or rupture. The best way to reduce the risk of a tendon injury, either, either acute or the tendinopathy, is to properly manage your running load I don't do too much too quick after not doing a lot, uh, any exercise for too long, and to add heavy resistance training. So things like calf raises, lunges, holds, and things like that, due to the fact that tendons love heavy load and tension as it's what they're designed to do, as I was explaining before. And this kind of perfectly leads us into a quick discussion around strength training for running, because we know that. Running is a lot of low intensity but high volume loading and impact for the lower limb. So you're not putting much force in the muscles, but your joints take a lot of force each time you strike the ground and you do this for a high volume, so a lot of of repetitions. And for a muscle to repeatedly produce force over a long period of time, it needs to have a good strength foundation because the stronger you are the easier it is for a muscle to work when the intensity or load is light and the less energy it takes and, and strength it needs, and which means it has a less chance of tearing or straining. So basically, we want res- resilient and robust muscles to handle all of that running impact. And then when you combine this with the fact that tendons love heavy weights and loads and a lot of tension, we want to be training with relatively heavy weights and low volume in our gym sessions. We want a combination of things like double leg and single leg movements. We want exercises that are going to challenge the stability on one leg because we are running on one leg each time, as we know. And we want to do this for all of our lower, li- lower limb muscles, so glutes, hamstrings, trunk muscles and core, uh, quads, calves and our groin. But we also want to main- have, a- have a good uh, balance and maintain strength and mobility in our upper body so that we aren't stiff and rigid and tight when we run in our upper body. And it's been shown that two times a week is plenty for strength training for runners to get the benefits of strength training in terms of muscles and ligaments and tendons and things like that. But it's not too much that it affects our energy levels and our recovery of the muscles we're training in the gym by the time to go for your run. So it's not going to impact your running um, at all. Another thing that will help performance and injury risk is warming up. I know a lot of runners and a lot of clients who who never used to warm up but then complain they get stiff and sore. So basically, you want to warm up the muscles and joints so they are ready to go and they're, they're warmed up when you start to run. It's like you wouldn't, on a really, really cold morning, you're not just going to get in your car and flog it. You want to let the, the oil and the and all the stuff that happens in the engine um, warm up and start to move around, get some fluid moving, and then you can start to drive your car. You're not just going to flog it from freezing cold straight away. And some examples of dynamic movements that are going to help warm up the muscles And also prepare the tendons and the joints for the impact. Uh, Things like leg swings, you can do both double and single leg hip uh, skipping and hopping. Um, Single leg balance or things like arabesques. Uh, Hamstring extenders, if you want to Google that exercise, that's a great one. You do things like you do some slow ones and then you do some really fast ones to expose the hamstrings to, to some tension and to some extending. And then things like squats and squat jumps. And it's only going to take you like five to seven minutes. That's all it takes. But that investment is worth worth it in terms of not only are you going to reduce your risk of injury and risk of tearing something, but it's also going to increase your performance because you're warm and fluid and mobile and ready to go when you go to run. So please, just do your damn warm-up. It'll take you five or so minutes, but the investment is worth it. And finally, for this episode, I know I've said it multiple times, I've said you don't want to do too much too quick, but really, what does that even mean? And it comes from the fact that humans can handle very high training loads and intensities, but you need to slowly work your way up to, to those high training loads so that your muscles and tendons and ligaments and any other tissues can adapt to it over time and be ready for it. You wouldn't try you wouldn't expect to go to the gym for the first time and try bench pressing for the first time and chuck on 150 kilograms. So why do you expect to sprint 5 kilometers really fast without previously running for 4 years? You are literally asking for an injury. You want to build a base of capacity and endurance and strength and fitness and then increase the distance and speed over time. And in my experience with with working with the clients I've worked with, is to begin running with say a walk jog walk jog intervals for around 1200 to 1500 meters total depending on your fitness levels and history and experience you may run 30 seconds on and then walk 30 seconds and repeat this until you've run your total distance and then the way we progress is the next run you could do the same for maybe an extra 100 or 200 meters to your total distance or you could do the same distance but run 40 seconds and only walk 20 seconds. And you can see, see how where I'm going with this is you're just slowly, slowly increasing some kind of variable in your running, whether it's the amount you run or the distance you run or how long you run compared to walking. And it may take longer than just getting up and going for a 5-kilometer run straight away, but you'll not only be better off in the long run in terms of fitness and speed, But the chance of you injuring yourself and having to restart from the start again and again and again and again each time you get injured is extremely low because your body is going to adapt and get used to what you're doing and then each time you do a bit more and a bit more, it gets used to those loads and then before you know it, you're going to be running 5 kilometres easily and quickly in no time. And then once you, get to a, so once you get to a point where you can comfortably run the entire distance, let's say you're over the, the run-walk intervals, then you just increase the distance each time you run. So you, let's say you're at 1,500 meters, you might go 1,700 meters next run and then 1,900 and then 2,100 and you slowly increase at each run and before you know it, you're going to be up to four or five kilometers without overdoing it each time. And a good way to split your running up eventually once let's say you can start to comfortably run three, four, five kilometers, and your body has adapted and get gotten used to running is you can introduce and do three types of different runs each week. So the first one would be a short but fast run of around two to three kilometers. And the aim is to do this as quick as possible. So the higher intensity and stimulus will actually drive more fitness adaptations in terms of VO2 max compared to a long slow run. Then you could add in a moderate cruise run uh, in the middle of the week where you're running at a, around 70 to 75% for let's say 4 or 5 kilometers. And this is where you can you're not going too fast, but you're practicing your running technique and your tempo and maintaining a steady pace and kind of getting in your groove. And then at the end of your training week or on the weekend, you could do a long slow run of say 7, 8 or 10 kilometers. And this is where you're purely training your cardiovascular fitness and endurance and capacity to keep delivering oxygen to the muscles. And you're training yourself to keep good positions and your good technique for a long period of time, but at a steady slow pace. So there's no, there's no race when we do these long distances. And obviously, in each of these, you're going to start at the low end and work your way up. Um, But as you progress, your three kilometer fast may turn into a five kilometer fast. And then your five kilometer moderate pace may turn into an eight kilometer moderate pace because your body will get used to it. And then your long, slow eight to 10 kilometers may turn into 15 and 20 and 25 and so on over time because your body's going to get used to it as you keep running. And your performance will increase drastically. If it's, it's like anything worth doing. If you take your time and you plan it and consistently stick at it, you're going to get better and you're going to adapt and your performance is going to increase over time. So like always, if you have any questions, please feel free to hit me up on my Instagram. As I always enjoy replying to questions or ideas about the podcast, I get a few each episode now, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, if you like, send me a message and I'll uh, get back to you. But until next time, hey dos.